Thank you for listening to the One City Church Podcast. We hope this resource inspires you and equips you to walk in everything that God has for you. So I wanted to take you through a few things. David's got some stuff uh, to talk about on the back end, but basically, why do we worship? What is the, what is the point of why we do what we do in the front end of service and, and even outside of that, right? Because worship is not just the, the 30 minutes that we take uh, at the beginning of each one of these services and, and sing, right? That's not all of what worship is. But we wanted to talk about a few things. And, and so the first thing is, why, so why do we worship? Because God deserves it. So there's a scripture that I want to read. It's Ephesians 2, uh, chap, or chapter 2, verse 4 through 6. Uh, the passion translation is the, is the translation that I have. Um, and it says, but God still loved us with such great love. He is so rich in compassion and mercy. Even when we were dead and doomed in our many sins, he united us into the very life of Christ and saved us by his wonderful grace. He raised us up with Christ and exalt the exalted one. And we ascended with him into the glorious perfection and authority of the heavenly realm. For we are now co-seated as one with Christ. So that for me is kind of the crux of it, right? That's the crux of the gospel, right? So the reason that we worship him and the reason that he deserved it is because of the sacrifice that he made for every one of us, right? It's not just all of the, 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 the doodads that run up and down your spine when you, feel, you know, when you feel the Holy Ghost in the middle of worship, but the crux of it is that he saved us from something, right? He saved us from, from going to hell when we died, and that's worth worshiping him outside of everything else that he's done for me, outside of giving me a wife, a beautiful wife, and four beautiful children, and outside of all the, the financial blessings and all the things that he's done for me, he's worthy to be worshiped because he's good, because he saved me from a devil's hell. Amen? Amen? Come on, somebody ought to get excited about that. Like, that's enough to get excited. If he never does anything else for me, that's enough. He saved me. And so the second thing is because God requires it. Romans 12 and 1 says, I beseech ye therefore by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable service. So, you know, um, they talk, that scripture talks about presenting your bodies a living sacrifice. We know that in the Old Testament that in order to uh, absolve people from sin, they had to present an animal sacrifice. But after Jesus's death and resurrection, we don't have to do that anymore. But instead, we're called to offer ourselves as the sacrifice in worship. So that means when we come in, we worship Jesus, we, we bow down, we lift up our hands, we sing, we praise. Amen? So, uh, so the, the last one that I want to talk about is because uh, worship unlocks the supernatural. So this is the one that, that, that I really love. Um, Psalms 22 and 3 talks about, but you are holy enthroned in the praises of Israel. So pastors talked about it before. He calls it, uh, his, the term he uses is throne zone, right? This is the throne zone. But effectively, when you praise God, when you lift up your praise, it creates a throne in the room for his presence to rest on. Right. So he has, you know, his presence is everywhere. Right. He's omnipresent. He's always with us. Right. But there's omnipresence and then there's manifest presence. And so when you begin to praise him, when you begin to lift up your voice and give God praise and worship, his manifest presence comes into the room. And where his manifest presence is, there's miracles, there's deliverance, there's freedom, there's salvation. All of the things that we find in Jesus, we find in his manifest presence when it comes into the room. And so that is the case, right, for worship. If we want to see the, the miracles and the supernatural and those things unlocked in this building, 
in this room and in our own lives outside of the building and across this region. Worship and praise is where that happens at. Amen? Amen. So, you know, so the thing about that is, you know, David talked about, you know, a lot of churches we have gotten to this thing where, you know, you get 20 minutes and then worship's done, right? We, we got a schedule to keep. We got to get people in and out of here in an hour so they can get to the buffet on time, beat the Baptist there. Sorry, if you're a Baptist and you're watching, I, I apologize. Like, I love you. Jesus loves you too, right? <laughs> So, but that's not what this is, right? That for us, that's not what one city, I almost said cathedral. <laughs> that was this close. Um, so that's not what one city's about. And that's not what our pastor's vision is, right? He talks about it routinely. We want to contend for revival. And what does that mean? Because that word contend, right? That means that it isn't gonna, it's not a microwave thing, right? It's not gonna happen in 30 seconds. It's not gonna happen in a minute. We've got to be willing to tarry for the revival, to tarry for that thing, right? You know, uh, in Acts, the, the, they talk about the, the upper room experience. That didn't happen in just a few minutes, right? They stayed there and they prayed and they worshiped until the Spirit came. And that's what we've got to be willing to do. The Bible talks about in that same experience that when the Holy Ghost came, it wasn't just that they waited a long time and prayed, but they were in one place and in one accord. So it doesn't just require that some of us wait a long time or some of us just pray. It requires that everyone, that all of us in the room, get into one accord, that we come together and that we pray and that we contend and that we believe for this thing. Amen. Amen. So that's, you know, for me, that's the crux, right, of why we worship and why we do what we do. And so, you know, I just want to continue to, to invite you on Sunday mornings and Wednesday nights when we have those worship experiences to not just be a spectator, to not just hang out in the back and wait to see what's going to happen. You know, it, it's not just on uh, on the people that are on this platform uh, necessarily to, to get us there, right? It requires everyone in one place and in one accord. Amen? Amen. Amen. That's good. Aren't you guys thankful for a worship pastor who is filled with the word? Dude, I love it, man. I'm really thankful for this guy and his family. I really love and appreciate you guys so much. Um, and I believe we're in a season, like I mentioned earlier, where the Lord is calling us into a deeper place in worship. So I'm going to just take like just a few minutes and just walk you through some things that I believe will help us go deeper in our worship, not only here on Sunday mornings, but when you put on that CD or you put on that YouTube video or whatever, and you go into that secret place at your house, at your job, when you're driving to and from work. Um, this is, I believe these are the three keys that'll help you get there. Uh, so going higher in worship. All right, so I believe this requires us to, our focus to shift. Uh, you know, it requires our focus to shift. When we're, when we're looking into worship, uh, our focus is on Him. It's not on us. Our focus is on Him. Uh, Pastor Steve just brought up Psalm 22.3, you are enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our emotions aren't enthroned on our praise. Our circumstance isn't enthroned on our praise. Our jobs, even our families are not enthroned of our praise. What's enthroned on our praise? Jesus. Jesus becomes the focal point. Jesus becomes the center of our worship. Anything else is idolatry. We come into worship and we focus on our problems. That's idolatry. And we focus on how good we look or how good we sound or whether or not people are gonna judge us. That's idolatry. But when we focus on enthroning him with our worship, and we get laser locked in into what he's doing and what he's saying. 
It enthrones him. See, enthroning Jesus in the goal and when, is the goal. When you do that, you dethrone everything else. I love this scene. We, 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 we showed it in that video of Revelation 4 and 5 when it talks about the scene around the throne and Jesus is seated on the throne. And what happens? There's all these little mini thrones around with the elders. And when, they, uh, when the living creatures cried out and said, holy, 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 all those other elders were dethroned. They came off of their throne, they took off of their crowns, and they laid it at his feet. When the king is seated on his throne, there's no one else seated on their throne. So when you enthrone him with your praise, it dethrones the principalities, it dethrones uh, whatever circumstance you're going through, even your emotional response. That's why we're not looking for an emotional response. Emotions are good. They can be useful to draw you in, but that's not what we're aiming for. We're aiming to proclaim and enthrone Jesus in the earth because when he's enthroned, that's where his kingdom is. That's where the authority is. And this is not like a one-time decision. It's not like, well, this, when I got saved, he became the Lord of my life, right? Yes, that's true. But there's a constant alignment that, must have, that you have to take place. It's a discipline to steward the presence of God well. You know, we talk about stewarding finance as well. Well, what's that mean? That means you're disciplining yourself to make good financial decisions that benefit you and your family and your future and the kingdom of God. So you're stewarding something financial. So you get that in your, in your brain, right? You get that concept. Now, steward the presence of God in the same way. When you come into worship, I'm not focusing on my circumstance. I'm not focusing on my emotions. I'm not focusing on whether I know the song or whether I like the person who's singing or whether this happened or that happened, but I am stewarding him and not just the circumstance. You get what I'm saying? So steward our finances. We steward all these other things in our life. Let's steward God's presence well by enthroning him and making him our focus. Going higher in worship requires our focus to shift, but it also requires our hunger to increase. Requires our hunger to increase. Uh, in the natural, uh, I think it's C.S. Lewis that points this out. He says, hunger is evidence that there's something that can fill you. Uh, when you're hungry, it would be a cruel joke if there was nothing that could actually satisfy, right? Uh, but we know that there's food and there's water, and so our hunger and our thirst is met with sustenance, okay? So same thing with God. When you hunger for God, there is something that will satisfy. Jesus says it like this, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. He is ready, willing, and able to fill that hunger, not just with a good worship time, not just with a good message, and we got a lot of good messages, but with him. When you enthrone him and you hunger for him, he responds with himself. That's why in the book of Revelation it says, Behold, the tabernacle of God is now with men, and he will be their God, and they will be his people. That's what he's after. He's not just after you getting really good at doing church. He says, I want to dwell with you. So when you hunger, and that hunger increases, it's a promise from the kingdom that he will satisfy that hunger. Hunger provokes us to a singular pursuit of what will satisfy, and nothing else will do. That's why we worship a little deeper than we used to. We worship a little longer than we used to. We listen harder. We look farther just to get a glimpse because we're hungry. Remember when you first got saved and you got, you encountered something. You encountered a radical moment with the Lord. 
So you would stay a little longer after service just to get a glimpse, just to get a morsel, something that would satisfy what you had tasted. So when you hunger for his presence, I believe he is ready, willing, and able to meet you where you are. So it requires our focus to shift, it requires our hunger to increase, and it requires our experience to change. We won't just experience normal worship. We talked about this, and Steve talked about it, and I talked about it, and we always talk about this. This is where it's a trend where we cut down worship, uh, we, we relegate the, the altar time to the back room, we just start kind of moving out Holy Spirit and saying that, that stuff is a little too messy for our sterile environment here. But when your experience starts to change because you've been hungry, because you focused on him, sometimes you'll worship a little longer and you won't even realize what time it is because you're just focused on him. Sometimes you'll sing a song that you didn't even know the words to because it resonates with something on the inside of you. That means you'll listen and you'll be attentive to the prophetic words and the intercession and the things that you may not quite understand yet, but something inside of you, your spirit man is leaping because you go, I know that's of a kingdom that I'm part of. So your experience starts to change. And I believe we, like a, I believe we will encounter things that will challenge us. Like I said, prophetic worship. Uh, intercession, longer worship, extravagant worship, radical obedience. Uh, you ever get weirded out in service because there's somebody who's worshiping a little bit too much? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> yeah. But when that happens, I have two choices to make. I can stand in judgment or I can stand in hunger because I want something that they have. Blessed are those who judge others. No, 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 no. Blessed are those who hunger, for they shall be filled. Um, because I believe when you're focusing on him and you're hungry for him and your experience begins to change, a heavenly perspective becomes more real than an earthly one. That scene in heaven that we just watched of uh, the elders and the angels and the living creatures, that is a real scene that is happening now. That's not a metaphor. I know it's in Revelation, but it's not a metaphor. It's not some pretty picture. But there is a throne. There are elders. There is worship going on in heaven. And I, I believe our prayer is to be this, on earth as it is in heaven, right? So what if we started doing heavenly things on earth? Do you think that might get the attention of heaven and draw it in? What if we started worshiping like they did in heaven, where we don't focus on anything else? He's got the only throne that someone seated on it, and it's right in the center. It's the first thing that John sees in Revelation chapter 4, verse 2. I saw a throne and someone sitting on it. It's the first thing that he sees. Is it the first thing you see when you walk in here? Is he the first thing you see? Is he the first thing you're focused on? Are you hungry to see a glimpse of who he is? Like the living creatures, they have eyes all around them. That means they can see anything they want to, but they choose to look at him. 
and they get multiple eons and eons and day and night and night and day, they begin to see him more and more and they just cry holy. They get a new and fresh revelation of his holiness. And when they release that sound, the elders representing the church, they respond to the sound of worship. And what do they do? They get off their seat. They take all the things that they have of worth, their crowns, and they prostrate themselves before the Lord, and they give, they give unto the Lord. There's a book we read called How to Worship a King, and uh, it says this, it says the four most powerful beings, I mean the 24 most powerful beings in heaven apart from the Lord uh, are given thrones, not to elevate themselves, and they're giving crowns, not to beautify their heads, but they're given thrones to create a higher point from which they would fall before his feet. And they're given thrones not to make, and they're given uh, crowns not to make their head look nice, but to beautify the feet of Jesus. And they're given a title, elder, not to give them some sort of status, but to show you and lead you by example, this is worship. And they lay before the Lord and they beautify and magnify him. I wanna share with you a quick vision. We're gonna head back into worship here in a second, but I wanna share with you a quick vision that the Lord gave me on Friday night that I believe um, he wanted me to release today. Friday night was just so powerful. And um, in, in the middle of worship, when Rick was, and his team were leading, I just began to look up and I saw past our ceiling and I saw as we were worshiping, I think in that moment we were talking about, like Rick was just worshiping and he was just, he was worshiping in the, this place, in this Revelation 4 place. And he starts talking about the golden lampstands and he talk, starts singing about the spirit of God and he starts singing about him being a faithful witness. And as he did that, I believe the room began to go with him into that really deep prophetic place and that really biblically sound place. And I saw in, in, over the region this, this canopy, this, this tapestry that was being woven with our worship, like, like scenes of a, a stained glass, but it was, it was fabric. And it was being woven. Whatever we were singing, that scene was being woven into that, that tapestry. And the deeper and more profound the revelation of what we were singing about, the more beautiful and glorious the color was that was being used to color that scene. And I could only kind of do a reverse engineer thing and think, if we're going deeper and there's a rich color, then if we were going more shallow, then there would be a dull color. That's the kind of thing that I heard from the Lord. And so when, they, when we started singing and praying like that, I began to see that. And it was just, it was filled this place and got, it lifted it up out of this place. And so that was the end of the vision for a minute. And then they begin to play prophetically over us. They did this thing where the musicians just begin to play over us, as in the musicians of Asaph that were prophesy on their instruments. So they begin to prophesy over us. And I caught the second half. The tapestry was getting so large that it covered downtown Beaumont, and I got this kind of aerial view being zoomed out, and on the edges, there were these angels that were standing in the Natchez. They were gigantic, and they were spreading this tapestry, and I remember one was at Natchez, one was in College Street, one was in MLK, one was uh, over here on I-10, and they were just sort of spreading this thing out, and as we worshiped, they got more and more content to fill that tapestry. 
And the deeper we got, like I said, the more beautiful this, this tapestry became because it was rich in color. And it covered downtown and it covered, started to cover our city. And the sun began to shine through it. And all over the buildings were these beautiful colors. Some I couldn't even recognize. It was just, it, it blew my mind what I began to see. And I began to see all, everybody kind of looking. They were just stopped dead in their tracks as this tapestry was unfolded over them. And then all of a sudden, the angelic beings looked at me. And as I began to worship, they went, and they began to, you ever do that as a kid with a blanket? And it created this wind underneath it. And I saw phones, and I saw needles, and I saw stuff that we shouldn't talk about fly out. And people were, they were shocked. They were stunned. And then, this is my favorite part. They're holding this, and they just gently lower it. And it drapes over the buildings. It drapes over the city. It drapes over the bodies. The people were just, they were stunned. So it was like body building, neighborhood, just draped. You could see the outlines. Then all of a sudden, they lifted it back up. Where before there were these dirty buildings, it was clean. Where before there were these bodies that were covered in filth, they were covered in robes. And they looked at me once again, and I felt them say this. They didn't say it out loud, but I knew. I said, anytime you want to do that, let us know. The deeper we got, the more beautiful the colors. And the more we went and worshiped, the larger the reach. And we just let him know, when do you want us to start? What about right now? Thank you for listening to the One City Church podcast. For more information about our church, visit onecity.church.